Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. This podcast is sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS, a 21-day plan that takes you step-by-step through healing and thriving with PCOS. It's all in there waiting for you, beginning with the three keys to living your best life as a PCOS diva. For more details, visit HealingPCOS.com. So I'm really excited to have my guest on today. Um, She's the first time on the PCOS Diva podcast, but um, not a newbie to um, my guest bloggers on PCOS Diva. Um, She has written some guest posts, and she's also um, developed a program for my PCOS Jumpstart program. So I'm really excited to welcome Erica Volk to the PCOS Diva podcast. Erica is the PCOS personal trainer, and she guides women living with PCOS towards a lifestyle that gets their symptoms under control so they have the time, energy, and confidence to thrive. She's a certified personal trainer, a nutrition coach, and creator of the PCOS Fit Studio workout videos. Erica was diagnosed with PCOS in 2005, and she's been coaching women with PCOS since 2010. And through her personal experience and work with clients, she's discovered that exercise is a fantastic PCOS fighting tool. And she's here today to kind of talk about some of the the myths around PCOS and exercise, as well as benefits. And Erica is a brand new mom, and we're also going to talk about um, pregnancy um, fitness and postpartum fitness. So Erica, thank you so much for taking your time um, from your your four-month-old baby to, to be with us today. Oh, thank you. No, it's really exciting to be on this podcast because I've listened to it for so long. It's kind of um, like, I don't know, being invited on the Oprah show or something. Oh, you know? gosh. <laughs> well, I promise I won't make you cry. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, when I was writing um, my book, Healing PCOS, you know, I was thinking back to kind of my exercise mindset early on when I was struggling with PCOS. And I know I was definitely of the mindset of, um, you know, if I was if I ate something um, that I felt guilty about, you know, ice cream sundae, burger and fries, I would uh, go out and run it off, um, or at least I thought that I was kind of running off the calories mm-hmm. that I just consumed. And you know, I, I've grown to realize that that's not really how exercise works. But um, you know, I do think that a lot of us are you know, could be, still be sort of stuck in this calories in, calories out um, mindset around exercise. And, and I'd love for you to kind of um, talk us through the way you think, you know, as the PCOS personal trainer, how we should approach exercise with PCOS. Absolutely. You know, I read that segment of your book where you, I love how you kind of weave in your personal stories. And I could totally relate. I think, you know, I was about the same age when PCOS really hit me and my 
college, early 20s, and I, I did the same thing before I became a personal trainer and educated myself. I would try to um, correct my quote-unquote food mistakes with exercise, and I also just sort of used it as a way to sort of um, really like fight PCOS in a violent sort of way. It was a combative relationship where I was going to put my body through the paces and that sweat dripping on the floor would somehow remove my PCOS. And um, it's, it's not a good feeling. It takes all the joy out of exercise, which is something that um, you and I both loved before we got into that mindset. And I think a lot of women can relate to that feeling. You, you know, maybe in high school, you're an athlete, you enjoy exercise, and then you start exercising with this aim to help PCOS or lose some weight. And it sort of becomes a punishment. And that's just a terrible cycle to be in. Um, yeah, uh, no, I was uh, you're you're absolutely right. I think um, can reconnecting with that joy of movement is such an important piece of using exercise as you you know you frame as sort of like this PCOS um, I like managing tool you know it's a it's a tool in our toolbox to you know help us reduce our symptoms um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about um, you know how exercise does that like what are the benefits of exercise and not just you know from a burning calorie standpoint Yes. Okay. So let's start with uh, just totally acknowledging that exercise does burn calories. Mm -hmm. And it's not a myth. If you eat more calories than you need in a day, you will probably gain some weight. So that that is true, but that's a very, very small piece of this huge tapestry that's our physiology and how exercise uh, interplays with that. Uh, for women with PCOS, I always say that that the aim we're going for is physiological adaptation. And so that's kind of, you know, a fancy word for changing the way your body operates. And the best way that I can um, describe that is how when your computer, uh, you get a pop-up notification that you need to update your operating system. So you download a new piece of software and now your computer runs better. Well, exercise is that little piece of software, that update that can get your body to run better, especially if you have PCOS. There are uh, several different ways that uh, exercise actually influences our hormonal system. The first of which is going back to insulin resistance, right? This is at the root of most of our symptoms. Muscle tissue in general is your number one consumer of blood glucose. So the more muscle tissue you have and the more often that you use it, the more balanced your blood sugars will be. And if you add on to that fact that when you work out, specifically when you're doing workouts that uh, require strength training or, or building strength in some way or another, you're actually going to increase the number of insulin receptor sites you have in your muscle cells. So now you have, some, you have muscle that's using your glucose in your blood more efficiently, and you have more insulin receptor sites. So you can actually reduce the level of circulating insulin and blood glucose in your body and correct some of those hormonal imbalances. And a recent study actually, uh, it's, it's very new, looked at exercise and gene expression in women with PCOS. And what was found is that women who exercise, the gene that 
is responsible for PCOS-related insulin resistance actually starts expressing itself differently. So there may be some sort of fundamental genetic expression change that happens too when you, when you work out. So those are all very exciting things if, if you have PCOS and especially if you're really struggling with the insulin resistance component. Now, um, if that wasn't enough to motivate you, there's also hormonal changes that go on uh, with your androgens and your anti-malarian hormone. And those are two hormones we hear uh, being brought up a lot when we start talking about fertility. And what it's found is that when you work out, when you build muscle, women with PCOS tend to experience a decrease in anti-malarian hormone and testosterone. And that is correlated with uh, higher chances of ovulation, natural conception, and, and, or just having regular cycles. Even if you're not planning for a baby, you still want those regular cycles to keep your body humming along. And then um, probably my, my other favorite thing to talk about with, um, with the benefits of how exercise kind of upregulates your body, makes it function better, is the fact that hunger regulation hormones like Garolin, the, the, the hormone that's responsible for feelings of hunger, and uh, neuropeptide YY, which is a neurotransmitter that um, makes you feel full, those both come back into balance with exercise. So also if you're experiencing wonky blood sugars and out of control hunger, you might actually have relief from those symptoms, which are very invasive and very annoying in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, so that's really just in a nutshell, uh, how exercise can improve your hormonal environment if you're a woman with PCOS. So it's just really, it's not about the calories. That's such a small piece of the puzzle. Mm. So a couple, um, I have a couple of questions and I sure. just have a comment about the calories too. Like um, I remember seeing something, um, I, I used to follow, her name was Tosca Rina um, for Clean Eating Magazine. And she talked about how you just, you can't out-exercise you know, a burger, fries, and shakes. Like we, I think we have to realize that like a calorie of, um, you know, derived from like plant-based food is a very different from a calorie, you know, from like junk food. So like, I think that's, a, a, you know, important to note too, that, um, you know, the food is, you know, it's different depending on, you know, whether you're eating healthy or, or not. Um, the other thing that, so I wanted to ask you though, about your clients that have, um, PCOS, maybe sort of like the thin PCOS where women might not be as insulin resistant as more of that classic phenotype of PCOS. Do you, um, have sort of a different exercise prescription based on, um, like how insulin resistant you might be? Um, you know, so there are some nuanced differences, and that's really when I get into, like, the individual woman. And especially with lean PCOS, just because you're lean, there's no guarantee that you're not also uh, struggling with some insulin resistance. Right. So I start by saying, you know, how are you feeling to the, during the day? Are you having energy spikes and drops? Are you craving sugar? Are you, do you feel like you're more hungry than other people? Um, and when I hear kind of a yes, yes, yes to all three of those, I might think hmm, there might be some underlying insulin resistance. But then I also, you know, I'm looking at stress levels too, because what you find a lot of times in lean women with PCOS mm -hmm. 
is the makeup of, or the genesis of their PCOS is a little bit different. It's sort mm -hmm. of like a stress-induced adrenal fatigue type of PCOS. And a lot of times these women are maybe exercising excessively. And I'm actually trying to encourage them to spend less time working out, which is uh, difficult. It's, it's way more difficult to convince somebody to do that than you would think. Uh, so that's when I look at maybe shortening the length of time a woman is working out. If I'm dealing, if you're looking at adrenal fatigue, I'm trying to keep, you know, cardio workouts where the heart is beating quickly to about 20 minutes or less, and then start to focus on mind-body exercises and strength-building exercises at an intensity that, that doesn't turn itself into cardio. So you're not huffing and puffing while you're lifting weights or doing yoga, that you're keeping your heart uh, rate a little bit lower because we're concerned about producing too much stress on top of uh, an already stressed out system. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was one of my other questions was um, really managing sort of your adrenals around the exercise because um, that was my experience. I mean, I really burnt myself out um, with exercise and it was when I um, sort of brought it down a notch that I found that I started losing weight and feeling better. Um, you know, how do you guide a client um, to figure out like what is the right amount of exercise for her? Is it, do you, do you use sort of how you feel? Like, should you feel exhausted after a workout or, you know, what, what kind of feeling are you going for, for your client? Absolutely. That's a great question. So no, you shouldn't feel exhausted after a workout. I mean, sometimes it's going to happen on the odd occasion. Mm -hmm. you're a little angry and you went all out on something, but, uh, or you're just relieving stress, but no, it, your workouts should not leave you exhausted. You should actually come out of a workout feeling a natural high, kind of like a two cappuccino buzz, you know, <laughs> really, I <like> that. <laughs> not just one cup of coffee, but two. So you feel, you know, like you could take on the world and you should also have a lot of positive emotions. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting finished with your workout and you don't have a smile on your face, or at least spiritually, you have a smile somewhere psychically in your, in your, in your thoughts and you're feeling exhausted, those are red flags. And then the other red flags that I look for that I kind of mentioned a second ago are hunger, energy levels, and cravings. And I got this acronym from a, a naturopath and it's HEC, H-E-C, or is your HEC in check? And if you are really slogging through up and down energy levels, cravings, that's a, that could be a sign that you're overdoing it at the gym. Okay. And then what about the, on the flip side? Um, how do you know that you need to kind of add more cardio or intervals or, um, you know, kind of kick it up a notch? Mm -hmm. That um, usually you will just feel like you want to do a little bit more that you have it in you is that's what I look for in my clients so we start out with kind of a baseline program and if they feel like they can do more then we try it and then we ask the all-important question and this is my number one question and it's always how's that working for you mm -hmm. what are the results uh, it, it did adding more exercise make you feel more positive more energetic more confident did you experience less hunger, energy, dips, cravings? 
And if, you know, if we're in the affirmative on all of those areas, then it's working for you. If, mm -hmm. if the opposite happens, then we revisit it again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think that what we're talking about is that there really is no one-size-fits-all approach to exercise for PCOS, just like there really isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to diet. And I write this in my book, like, just because, you know, your friend with PCOS is killing it at CrossFit and is having great results with, you know, weight loss and the way that she feels, doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the right workout for you either. Absolutely. So first and foremost, I think we both agree on this one. It's the best workout is the one you do and you keep wanting to mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm looking for first is where, where are you willing to work out? What brings you joy and what will you keep doing? Because consistency is the number one component to success with managing PCOS through exercise. Beyond that, uh, you know, I, I have a general formula of a few of a structure of a workout that kind of is optimal for PCOS in most cases, and that's a good place to start if you don't have anywhere else that you want to okay. start. And that's where I would lead clients toward a workout that had uh, some strength training, either through weight lifting or body weight or, or suspension training, and a combination of that with some high intensity interval training. That's a good place to start if you know you don't already have a favorite type of exercise that's working well for you. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious with your clients, um, do you find that because we are, you know, tend to be high androgen women, that we put on more muscle than, you know, women that you've coached without PCOS? You know, do, do we have to worry about bulking up? Okay, so I think that it's kind of a two-part part question, and it's really, this is really interesting to me because um, there, there's not any like research on this, and this is just me speculating. Yeah. Um, I would say, yeah, we do do a better job of acquiring muscle in some mm -hmm. cases, and I would say that that's absolutely a fantastic thing, and it's kind of like our secret superpower that we need to lean into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at it as, um, are you worried you're going to bulk up? And we'll touch on that in a second. I'm more thinking, hey, I have got this one thing that PCOS has given me, this ability to maybe recover faster from a strength workout. And if I have more muscle, I know my insulin resistance and some of my other hormonal pictures improve. Mm -hmm. I need to capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. Let's get sneaky and use what, you know, our superpowers. Now, to the question of bulking up, I've heard this a lot kind of in internet threads and chat rooms and the thing is is that even with out of control high androgens like worst case scenario for PCOS you're you're not really in a range that would get you close to being male it is it, right so you you don't have like a male level of testosterone in you and so what I think women worry about is they see these pictures of maybe some competitive um, bodybuilders and strength trainers both male and female and, you know, that is an extreme look, and it's not for everybody. And I can understand if that's not what you're, you're after. But um, even with PCOS, even with high androgens, you won't accidentally start looking like He-Man or one of these, these women that's a professional bodybuilder. It would be like saying, um, I went for a jog and accidentally became an ultra marathon runner yesterday. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, having worked in a gym alongside fitness models and people who are career bodybuilders, even for me as a personal trainer and fitness nut, 
the level of commitment and intensity to exercise that these people have to commit to to acquire those muscles, especially if they're female, is, is so um, intense and, and so it's such an enormous undertaking. You could never create that physique on accident. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And, yeah. and I love how you framed it as our superpower, because I do think that it takes some reframing that, you know, having the, the higher level of androgens can be a real benefit. You know, women, there's been studies that show that women with higher androgens are more decisive, better decision makers, they make better leaders, they take risks. Um, you know, and they're stronger. And like you said, you can recover from um, like weight training versus it, quicker than someone without PCOS. So we have to really embrace our, our superpowers. And I, I love how you frame that. Um, yeah, totally. And I love what you brought up about those studies uh, on androgen, higher androgen women and their decisiveness. I, I came across them too, I think in a podcast, I think it might've been Freakonomics. And I was so excited when I listened to that. I was like, yes, another reason to be proud of our PCOS instead of ashamed or or down about it. Yeah, yeah. So I I get this question a lot from women. Um, You know, I think that there's a lot of us that you had mentioned before, you know, being athletes in high school or in college. um, And I think you know, partly because of the, the high androgens. I mean, we're more, we tend to be more competitive. Um, you know, our, our athletic performance can be better. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of women that are um, with PCOS who are athletes that, you know, are asking, you know, how, um, you know, I'm tra- I have to train really hard um, and, you know, my PCOS symptoms are acting up. Like, do you have any suggestions for women listening that are kind of in that place maybe they're they're training for a marathon or um you know like in in the midst of you know a lot of physical training and they're noticing symptoms are becoming exacerbated like any any tips for them yeah absolutely so the first thing i would say is if you're really training for an athletic event that's not the time to start cutting calories and dieting down. It's, it's not the time to start eating junk either. It's, you know, you want to eat clean, you want to nourish your body, give it all the vitamins, nutrients, protein that it needs to support your goals. But if you are uh, maybe training kind of as like a weekend warrior athlete and you're, and you're approaching time for your first marathon or maybe you're doing CrossFit games, whatever, that is PCOS training at that intensity and cutting back your calories significantly is a just a, it's just a recipe for hormonal disruption. Uh, so that would be my first thing is if you're really serious about this, you might need to go do an individual consult with a nutritionist or a mm-hmm. nutrition coach to make sure you've got this right. Um, and then the other thing that I would point to is sleep. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now, I've modified my exercise routine significantly because with a four-month-old, my sleep quality is uh, just not there. I'm not getting the eight hours I used to get before this baby was born. And knowing that sleep causes problems with our insulin hormones, our reproductive hormones, sleep deprivation, excuse me, you don't want to add on to that a really intense workout because you're just taking, you're putting too much stress on your systems. There's a good amount of stress. The right amount of stress 
your body will recover from and will make you better and stronger. The wrong amount of stress, maybe by over dieting, working out too hard, not getting enough sleep, it's just going to drown your hormonal, your hormones, and you know it's just going to just bottom them out. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. So I also wanted to ask you um, about the benefits of exercise for women with PCOS that are really dealing with mood-related disorders. You know, we know that anxiety and depression are um, significant symptoms for a lot of women with PCOS. Um, I know something that I deal with. Um, and you know, how does exercise help uh, kind of combat those symptoms? Well, exercise stimulates the production of a lot of feel-good hormones and neurochemicals in our brains. So um, things like serotonin peak, uh, that's a popular hormone that we hear a lot of people talk about. Um, so you actually do get a natural high from working out. And also, let's say you're someone who experiences anxiety or you're just kind of a worrisome person. Um, that worry, that mental environment that you put yourself in, it stimulates the production of cortisol hormones and other adrenal hormones. And by working out, you actually sort of flush those out of your body and you start anew because we have to remember our brain is actually part of our body. It's just an organ. So Mm -hmm. it's communicating and interacting with every other organ in our body. And so what's going on in our brain, our thoughts, they do influence our organs. And in this case, if you know, you're talking your adrenals and you're producing a lot of cortisol because you're worried, um, our bodies are older machines and they, when they sense cortisol spikes and worry, they think we need to run from a mountain lion, not, Mm -hmm. um, you know, double down on our to-do list. So by doing what your body is inclined to do naturally, exert itself physically, run away from that mountain lion, you can kind of get a nice even evening out of your anxiety. And of course, that's all within the confines of, you know, there's limits to what that can do. And of course, you should right. see a professional if you're really struggling with like a clinical anxiety or depression. Um, and especially working out outside, Amy, uh, because uh, I think the Japanese call it tree bathing. Mm-hmm. Going outside is therapeutic. So if you can do exercise outside, you're kind of uh, amplifying the effect. Yeah. You know, I, um, it, I've had kind of a high anxiety time. My, my oldest son is having some um, health issues and you know, we were waiting on um, you know, a diagnosis and uh, you know, your mind just goes lots of different places. And so I, I had said to my son, you know what, we're going to go, go drive an hour to the beach and just, you know, get that those positive ions from the ocean mm-hmm. and, you know, just walk barefoot on the beach. And uh, there is something so healing about nature. And, you know, we both felt so much better after, you know, exercising, but being out in nature and connected to the earth, you know, that idea of, I think they call it earthing, um, like, or, you know, it's that sort of same, I think the similar concept is the forest bathing or, or whatever, but you do feel so much better out in nature. And it definitely helped my mood and, and my anxiety levels. Wow, that was so wise of you. He's lucky he had a mom who had that kind oh, of Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, it is kind of cool to, to share what I've learned along the way with my children and hope, you know, especially my daughter, because she's, 
um, you know, has a high percentage chance of inheriting my PCOS genes, but you know, I'm hoping that those genes don't express themselves um, in the same way that they did for me when I was young and eating you know, lots of high carbohydrate, simple carbohydrate foods. And um, anyway, so yeah, now you're a new mom um, yeah. and you're um, suffering from like the sleep deprivation and you, you know, you had mentioned that you have to sort of shift the way that you're treating your body and, and the expectations that you have for exercise. Now I'd love for you to kind of take us back to, um, you know, during your pregnancy, like, like how did your routine change, um, your exercise routine? And then again, um, postpartum kind of maybe just walk us through that. Sure, I'd love to. This was just so fresh in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the first thing I would just say overarchingly is to avoid all or nothing thinking. And that's kind of where you think, well, if I can't work out or eat exactly the way I used to when I wasn't pregnant or taking care of an infant, then I shouldn't do it at all. Let's just throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. So, and, and, and that's just a really natural and normal thought process that we have as humans. It's completely flawed thinking, but uh, we all get ourselves in that trap. So it's to manage your expectations and, and to avoid all or nothing thinking. Um, starting at the beginning of my pregnancy in the first trimester, I got the infamous morning sickness and nausea. And nutritionally, this is a difficult time because, and I found this to be kind of the case with a lot of women, all of a sudden I could... I could not eat a vegetable or like a lean protein to save my life. Like I just thought I was going to just die. I had to eat a piece of broccoli. Um, so, you know, then you're stuck with, well, I can't force myself to eat these things. So that's going to give me a bad result, but I'm also creating a life right now. My body needs the nutrition more than ever. So I had to get really creative with uh, nutritionally what I did for a few weeks. And, you know, I, what I looked for is I found that I could eat, your instinct is to eat kind of dry, carby foods. So I started looking at the most nutrient-dense kind of carbohydrates and foods that I could tolerate eating instead of like going straight for the package of saltine crackers. I thought, why not try some toasted, sprouted uh, whole grain bread like Ezekiel bread, um, going for brown rice, just plain brown rice or plain quinoa, even toasted uh, chickpeas, things where I got some protein and some plant nutrients and a lot of fiber um, because that's all I could talk myself into eating, mm -hmm. really. Um, and so beyond the nutrition, with my workouts, what I found is that uh, my body hadn't changed physically. You know, inside I felt very different, but, you know, I didn't have a baby bump or anything for, for quite a while. I could do my workouts as planned. I just had a little friction talking myself into getting up out of bed and doing them in the morning. So I gave myself a lot of grace, and I also, um, I gave myself permission to skip workouts or just go for a walk instead. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times what I found is if I could get into the gym and I could do some version of what I'd already been doing, I felt better. I would have this magic window of about 90 minutes to two hours where I wasn't nauseous, I didn't feel so pregnant. And I, I could really get a lot done. That was, that was like my golden time. So I'd get that workout in and then I'd be off to my blog to write or, or do something. Mm -hmm. So uh, then moving on, you know, your second trimester for most people, your energy comes back, the nausea goes away. You feel fantastic, but you're a little bigger. And that's when I just, I went off to the races with building strength. 
and in key areas. So when you are starting to put more weight on in the front of your body, it's really important to strengthen up the muscles of your upper back and your glutes. And um, you do have to change your core strengthening routine. You still can strengthen the deep muscles of your core, but laying down on your back to do crunches or get in a plank position no longer becomes beneficial when you have that, uh, you know, watermelon-sized uterus, you know, pressing down on your, um, your abdominal muscles. So I, I did a lot of, you know, targeted strength training in my second trimester. And when I moved into my, you know, late third trimester, when I was just big, <laughs> I found that it was more difficult for me to get in and out of the car at the gym than it was for me to actually work out. So I took my workouts at home and I did almost all bodyweight exercises. I didn't have like some sort of ingenious plan. I just made it a point to move and um, also to stretch my hips a lot because uh, that's important for birth. You want to have as much uh, flexibility in your hips as possible. Uh, so that was kind of the, the overview, um, kind of a bird's eye view of how I treated exercise during pregnancy. Did you have any questions about that? I just kind of said a lot all at once. No, that was, that was excellent. Um, yeah, no. And, and I love the, the fact that you said, you know, really allow yourself some grace. Um, and you, but, but pushing yourself enough to give it a try, you know, on the days that you might not feel so um, open to, to exercise. I know with, with my three, I had horrible morning sickness for 20 weeks. Um, Ooh, that's a long time. I know it was, it was a long time with my, with my first one, I was working, I had to leave work and, you know, and take a, a leave because I just um, couldn't manage. But I, and I wonder if it has to do with women with PCOS and their blood sugar issues anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but no, I, I thought you gave great advice. You know, I, I, um, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to hear how you felt like the exercise helped you through the pregnancy, I mean, through the birth and like, you know, early recovery. Yeah. So I, you know, I think first of all, exercise is a natural confidence builder. And um, especially if it's the first time you've given birth, confidence Mm -hmm. is a good thing. (laughs) Uh, So I, um, I guess just kind of just the overview of my birth story. I, uh, I, my water broke while I was doing some prenatal yoga. We went off to the hospital and uh, nine hours later with pretty much no intervention, uh, I had a baby. And so that's a little bit of a, that's about three hours shorter than the average, I think, for um, first time moms. And that tracks with other research studies that I've read that said that women that work out will have shorter labor. So I I should have led with that. (laughs) If you're pregnant, that is a motivator uh, to keep working out is uh, having a shorter labor. And I think really what I credit the shorter labor to is um, I was able to, even during the contractions and the pain, get into better birthing positions because I had that physical strength. So Mm -hmm. I actually, for the most part, I spent almost nine hours on my feet. So I used gravity to kind of help my baby get into the right position. And if you don't have that lower body strength, it could definitely be more difficult to remain standing during the rigors of birth. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, yeah, during birth, it was, it was very helpful. I felt more confident and I felt prepared that I prepared my body. I had done all I could do. And, um, my recovery period for, um, after having the baby, you know, it, 
it went very well, but I think I went into it thinking that I was this personal trainer with all this experience and yeah, sure. Six weeks until I can get back into the gym. I'll see you in three and I'll have already been benching my normal weight. That was totally not what happened. <laughs> and again, I didn't hold myself to that standard. That's just what I had imagined would happen. Um, so I get, again, I give myself compassion and I think about the first two weeks I didn't work out at all. And then I just started with walks outside with the stroller. And by six weeks, when my doctor gave me the all clear to go back to the gym, um, I went in and I did my first workout and I could really feel that my pelvic floor, so the kind of the muscles connected to your core, but in the lower part of your pelvis, it was not as strong as it used to be. I would feel kind of a downward pressure when I did squats, even with a mild amount of weight. And I'm glad that I, I looked into, you know, postnatal training beforehand and I knew that that was, that was a red flag. So I checked my ego immediately and mm -hmm. decided that like, I couldn't go back to what I used to be doing because my, my first and most important priority was getting those pelvic core muscles back in shape because if you don't get them back in shape and you work out on top of them and you're applying all the stress, you could end up with problems. Like you hear about bladder leakage, I pee a little bit when I sneeze, things like that. And so I, did, I didn't want to end up there, you know, just because I could not um, let go of my personal trainer ego. Right. Uh, so I actually enlisted the help of a, a postnatal specialist. I joined a program called Core and Floor Restore by Jesse Mondell. And it's just a real simple 10-minute-a-day workout that I committed to for eight weeks. And uh, at the end of that eight-week period, I felt great going back into my workouts. And recovery has been really good. It's, it's interesting that we're talking about this today. I don't weigh myself often, but I got on the scale today and 12 weeks from birth, I'm at my pre-pregnancy weight. So, and I didn't diet. I, I didn't show up the first day like I thought I would and hit the gym. I just gave myself compassion and followed my instincts in a lot of cases. Yeah, that's great advice. I know for me, um, I had very, well, when, when my first two pregnancies, I was not a diva. Um, you know, I wasn't living this lifestyle, and, um, you know, my, my boys are big, like, they're, my 17-year-old six foot nine, and my 14-year-old oh six foot four, so they were big babies, they were over 10 pounds, um, but I wonder if some of that was because of blood sugar, um, you know, so, um, and then my, my daughter was much smaller, and I was able to get my body back earlier, but with the boys, it took me nine months to kind of get back to my pre-pregnancy weight and and I think women are there to just need to give themselves some grace um, and just know that it will take time but you will you will get back there um, but I think that your approach to you know making sure that you're in in you know the best possible shape and, and have the strength to get through the birth and then I think you probably are recovering so much faster than most women that didn't plan it out to really take care of themselves in that way um, pre -pre um, during pregnancy. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Out of prevention, right? You, it's a lot easier than that. Yeah. And I think also I want to be really careful with saying things about pre-pregnancy weight and back to my pre-baby yeah. pre body. Um, that, to me, you could, you could fit into your high school genes the day after you give birth, but if you don't feel good, if you're not healthy, if you don't, feel confident in your body, um, then what's the point? 
Yeah. And you know, and, and my body too has never been the same, <laughs> you know, pre, pre-pregnancy, you know, before kids. I mean, it's shifted and changed and, and honestly, it's, you know, it's a tribute to what I've done and, you know, have these three beautiful children and that's okay. You know, you, you have to make some peace with the fact that your body may never be what it was. Um, but there's something be- so beautiful about being a mother. Um, yeah, if you really own it, you actually do feel a little bit sexier. Like I have this bump that I don't think is ever going to go away. Like I don't think my abs are ever going to be quite that tight again. Mm-hmm. But I just, I feel more beautiful than I, than ever before. You know, I'm, I think I'm measuring myself with a different, with a different metric. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I love that. So uh, Erica, you know, we, we've talked, you know, we've had a great conversation. I really, we covered so much in the time that we had. Um, I do want you to let people know where they can find out more about your work. You know, I know that you have online programs and again, you can get a taste of, you know, what you offer in my jumpstart program. I feel really um, honored that you, you know, developed that workout for, for ladies that are going through that seven day program. But if women want to work with you, how can they find out more? You can go to my website and that's Erica Volk, V-O-L-K. Um, actually, I just spelled my phone now, E-R-I-K-A. V-O-L-K, fitness.com. And uh, there you'll find more information about the Fit Studio, which is my video-based workout program that lasts an entire year. It's designed specifically for women with PCOS. It's got very manageable 20 to 40-minute workouts. Um, You can find out more information there. And once a year, I do offer coaching. And so if you get on my email list, um, you'll you'll be notified when my coaching program uh, opens up. But I also send out great information, um, or at least I'd like to think so. I try to interview as many experts as I can and get information in the hands of, of women who don't have the time to go out in a sort of like a, a Google search to the ends of the earth for this great PCOS information. Um, so my email list is a great way to stay in touch with what I'm doing. And then I'm on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook is the PCOS personal trainer. And you can follow me there. Yeah, I was going to give you a newsletter shout out. You do put out some really great content. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and you just you just interviewed um, Dr. Perlow, right? Uh, you know, I'm always talking to Dr. Perlow because we're kind of neighbors. I, I live in Atlanta okay. too, so um, yeah, I interviewed him a while ago, and uh, you know, he's just he's the best. Love that guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, if you're looking for a good fertility doc, he's a reproductive endocrinologist it's what is it atlanta georgia reproductive associates or something like that i think he's i think he's shady grove fertility now we'll have to oh, okay. to it but okay. yeah he's over in north atlanta but i think if you're kind of in the southeast and, and within driving distance he's worth yeah. yeah he really is well thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to us this is um just great information and i know you have lots of great info on your your blog and um, social media. So thanks for all that you do for women with PCOS. Oh, thank you. And thank you, Amy, for having me and for everything you do for PCOS. You know, I think your website was like the first uh, really helpful website I found when I I got diagnosed. I know there wasn't, there wasn't much out there years ago, was there? I mean, it was, um, (laughs) oh gosh, I just, I know I feel so fortunate that um, we've made some great gains in PCOS awareness and, um, you know, lots more resources if you've just been diagnosed. 
Absolutely. It's a whole different world. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. I look forward to being with you again soon. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and learned a little something that can help you along in your journey. For more information about PCOS and PCOS Diva products and programs, visit PCOSDiva.com. This podcast was sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS. It's my proven 21-day diet and lifestyle plan to help women with PCOS take back control of their health and resolve their symptoms. Healing PCOS offers you daily, small, manageable steps that help alleviate symptoms and control the inflammation, hormonal imbalance, and insulin resistance that underlie PCOS. The 21-day plan consists of a 21-day anti-inflammatory hormone-balancing meal plan, including meal prep and plan-ahead tips to make eating like a PCOS diva sustainable, 85 delicious recipes, daily lessons, and self-care exercises. I have helped tens of thousands of women with PCOS take back control over their health and their lives through lasting healing and sustainable lifestyle change. So whether you're newly diagnosed or have struggled a lifetime with PCOS, this book is for you. Find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold.